Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting episode of TLF Gems, the podcast that uncovers the hidden treasures of customer experience. I'm Stephen Hampshire. And I'm Greg Roche. We're your hosts, and we work for TLF Research, a company dedicated to helping businesses understand their customers better and improve their experiences. That's right, Greg. And today we have an episode that's going to delve into the fascinating world of artificial intelligence and its impact on customer experience. Specifically, we'll be discussing the revolutionary technology known as ChatGPT. Ah, ChatGPT. It's a name that's been making waves across industries. But for those of you who might not be familiar, ChatGPT is an advanced language model developed by OpenAI. It's a giant leap forward in the field of natural language processing and understanding. Absolutely, Greg. And you know what's really exciting? We've actually invited ChatGPT itself to join us on the show today. That's right. We've got an AI guest. That's right, Stephen. We'll be engaging in a conversation with ChatGPT to explore how it's been revolutionising customer experience, transforming the way businesses interact with their customers and opening up new possibilities. It's truly remarkable how this technology has evolved, Greg. ChatGPT has the ability to understand and respond to human language, and it's been deployed in various customer service scenarios, providing personalised assistance and support to customers 24-7. Absolutely, Stephen. And it's not just about solving customer inquiries efficiently. ChatGPT has the potential to enhance the overall customer journey, offering personalised recommendations, guiding customers through complex processes, and even delivering a touch of human-like interaction. Indeed, Greg. But as with any emerging technology, there are also important considerations to explore. We'll be discussing the ethical implications, the challenges faced by businesses in implementing AI-powered solutions, and how we can strike the right balance between automation and human touch. It's a fascinating and ever-evolving landscape, Stephen. And we'll be digging deep to uncover the gems of knowledge and insight in today's episode. So, ladies and gentlemen, grab a pen and paper, put on your thinking caps and get ready for an enlightening conversation about ChatGPT and its impact on customer experience. Join us as we uncover the gems that will help your business shine brighter in the realm of customer experience. This is TLF Gems! Exclamation mark. Indeed it is. Yeah. Now, for our regular podcasters, you might notice a slightly different introduction today. Yes, we didn't do that introduction. That is the introduction that Chat GPT suggested we do. How did you feel? How did you feel that? I, I, I've never said your name so many times. <laughs> we didn't say the names a lot. Yeah, I think as I think almost always with Chat GPT stuff, it, it's kind of quite good. But but there are some really sort of distinctive characteristics about his style. I think so. It, it is quite repetitive. So it, it tends to be a lot longer than something a human would have written uh, it, to cover the same amount of ground. It felt like we were saying the same thing a few times there. Well, the thing that I really noticed that in a positive way about that intro, though, is is the way... So I gave it a, you know, a few little hints on the problem. So I mentioned that we were the hosts, Greg and Stephen. I mentioned that the podcast was called TLF Gems. I didn't really tell it, and I thought it was about you know, chat GPT and customer experience. I didn't really give it much else, um, but it it runs with things like the name being TLF Gems. It incorporates that into the yeah. and that is quite clever, almost giving the appearance of creativity, isn't it? It's that sort of advertising thing of let's pick up on that idea and you know build it into the sort of word picture. As I think we're going to go on to discuss, ChatGPT is a remarkable technology. Like it yeah. really, really is, and especially in version four, you know. Compared to what natural natural language was able to do even a handful of years ago, it is it is really stunning. Yeah. It but, felt 
sorry, it felt very thorough, the introduction. It sounded to me more like a written thing than yeah, a, exactly. than a yeah, conversation, even though we were saying, that's right, Stephen, and absolutely, Greg, as, as it was putting that in. And I did feel we should be doing that a little bit in American accents and high-fiving each other as we, were, as we were saying, yeah. uh, you know, as we were saying that. But content, absolutely great. You know, absolutely, you know, absolutely great. It is an amazing tool. So I did ask ChatGPT, how will AI affect customer satisfaction levels? How will AI affect customer satisfaction levels? And um, ChatGPT came up with a list, as it does, a very thorough list. And there was probably, well, there were six things it, um, it, you know, it brought up. But before we go through ChatGPT's answer, I think we should go through your answer, Stephen. How will AI affect customer satisfaction levels? It's a good question. So I'm going to answer it in a few different ways, I think, because so, I think it could be a kind of net positive or a net negative, and a lot of it depends yeah. on on how it's used and a lot of stuff around the actual technology. So first of all, let's have some positives. So how how could yeah. AI help organisations? So the, the obvious answer is it will make things quicker. So that will result in a better, or, or if, if if it does, then that will result in a better experience for customers because you know, that's what automation does, isn't it? It makes things quicker because it removes yeah. the need for humans to do things. In a way, you can think of it, and this isn't quite fair, but you could think of it as being like really, really good self-serve. That's that's yeah. kind of what AI, sort of step one of AI at least, would, would enable. I think the, the other main benefit that AI could in theory bring is this idea of kind of mass personalization. So you know, rather than a, a human being having to flex service based on you know, their instincts about the person yeah. they're dealing with. Actually, if we know enough about a customer, then we can we can automate the creation of a, of, of a very personalized experience. But that is dependent on the data. And I think this this is the, the bit that I think people tend to miss in all the hype. Yeah. The AI technology, the machine learning technology, you know, the LLMs and that, that power all this stuff, they are really impressive and really powerful. But the reason ChatGPT is so impressive and so powerful is because it has vast amounts of training data yeah. to be trained upon. And that's the bit that people have always been, you know, we've been using or playing with text analytics for, for over a long time. time. Yeah. And it still doesn't really work that well. <laughs> Why? Because it's hard. You need you need the data, you need to train it, you need to tune the models. And, yeah. and I think in, in a similar way, you know, this idea of personalization, great. But where's the data? Because frankly, most organizations I know, their data is, I was going to say crap, which is slightly unfair. Let's say incomplete. Um, and in different pockets around the organization, it's not joined up. Data management processes are awful. I think there are so many stumbling blocks to, to the hype being delivered, none of which are about the AI technology. It's about yeah. the infrastructure the, that supports The source it. of it, the source of it, yeah. I mean, I think we would still regularly get things. <laughs> I get a lot of stuff sent and my name isn't spelled right. And mm, absolutely, things. Different things. Yeah, that's like why that. you, you're trying to personalize service, but you don't even know where I live. <laughs> like, that, that really is. Um, well, that, let's just develop that because the first answer that, that ChatGPT did give was the personalized experience. So, ChatGPT says personalized experiences. AI can analyze vast amounts of customer data to understand individual preferences, behaviors, and needs. This enables businesses to offer highly personalized experience, tailored recommendations, and targeted promotions. 
When customers feel a company understands their unique requirements and provide relevant solutions, their satisfaction levels tend to increase. Now, I really like that last sentence. That is a, I mean, that is you, you, you and me. When the customers feel that a company understands their unique requirements and provide relevant solutions, their satisfaction levels do increase, yeah. Yes, although there is a caveat there. And it, there's sort of two sides to it. There's the creepiness side and the sort of ethical, should we do it side. So very famously, a few years ago, Target had this campaign where they sent out targeted, like voucher yeah. mail drop thing, to um, to people that they thought were pregnant, uh, in, including a teenage girl whose whose father said, "This is ridiculous, Target. You sent this mailing to my teenage daughter who's definitely not pregnant, and she was." So there's there's this kind of shibboleth of like how at what point the understanding about customers and predicting what they're going to want and knowing you know what is right for them become creepy and at what point is it actually an invasion of privacy and arguably illegal in fact in some cases you know so what what is it okay for us to be able to figure out about customers so again to go back to some of these like famous scare stories at one point some researchers found that they could predict really accurately people's sexuality from their contacts on facebook even if they hadn't overtly said you know I'm yeah. gay or whatever. Now that I think is a really interesting ethical question. So, you know, we're talking about protected category data there, and you're able to accurately infer it without gathering it. Mm. Should you? And should you do anything with that? I would argue probably not. But there's a bit of an ethical. Uh, you get, you get to know moral on us here, Stephen, and talking well, ethics. I suspect that some of this stuff will be covered by law soon because it just feels like it's it like needs to be. Doesn't it? Um, is, is that whole idea of some metadata? It can be more powerful than data sometimes if you're using it right. And, and again, this is this is all at the same time as I'm saying organisations uh, are totally hopeless on even the most basic data about their customers. Uh, I'm painting this sort of sci-fi future where they know what we're thinking. But um, if I think of the average database we get from exactly. many many of our clients, yeah, if I had to score it out of ten for thoroughness and accuracy four out of ten yeah and, and it's really interesting because those who actually have the best databases when it's an eight nine or ten and the fields are populated and all the fields are populated and the demographics populated <laughs> you already know they're going to deliver quite high customer satisfaction because mm -hmm. you can see the way they value the customer data but yeah every week i would get a database where where the name is dear customer yeah um, and has very little contact information but let's keep positive because one of the ones that 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 um chat gpt said it would enhance product recommendations ai algorithms can analyze customer data and patterns to make accurate predictions about the products or services a customer is likely to be interested in by offering personalized product recommendations AI can help customers discover new items they might have missed, increasing their satisfaction with the overall shopping experience. So in my mind, is this things like at the bot bottom when you order off Amazon, it says yeah. you may be interested in. And sometimes I really am. Um, sometimes I'm not when my daughter's been on my Amazon account before me. This is, um, again, it comes down to data quality, doesn't it? Yeah. So, you know, that that is basically a data problem. I think I don't know how Amazon's system works, and I'm not. I'm about to criticise it, but but I'm not criticising Amazon's use of AI because Amazon is is employing many of the best AI researchers in the world, so it, it knows what it's doing. Its current recommender system doesn't seem to be very smart to me. 
the most famous example that is sort of fairly well known is the Netflix recommender album, yeah. which, you know, because algorithm even because they've been running or for years they're running this prize where teams will compete to, with a, a standard set of data to produce the best recommender system they could based on that data and people got really really clever with that set of data which in itself has some issues but i think you know that's a very netflix is dealing with films right so you know it's, it's this kind of genre and... where there are kind of yeah. fairly well understood genres yeah. and the netflix algorithm was, was sort of smart enough to go you know, rather than going, oh, you like action films, here's an action film, it, it used all sorts of features. So it might go, for example, oh, you really like, you know, Tom Hanks films, so we'll recommend you a Tom Hanks film. And there was more to yeah. it than that as well. They had all these different sort of subtleties of category that go far beyond action um, or whatever. Yeah. So I do think that's certainly a potential, that's a very good use of AI. Again, it very dependent on having the right data, but if you've got the right data, then, yeah. then for sure, that's the sort of job that machine learning does really well. Another one where yourself and ChatGPT um, totally agreed was improving self-service options. AI can empower customers, I like the word empower, can empower customers to find information and resolve issues on their own through self-service portals or interactive knowledge bases by providing intuitive interfaces and intelligent search functionalities. AI can help customers quickly find the information they need reducing frustration and improving customer satisfaction. And and it should absolutely do that. There's no no reason why not. And I think what what the really smart organizations are, are doing, I think, is thinking in a sort of joined up way about what's the sort of the information systems that are supporting their people and helping them to suggest next best action and all those kinds of things are also supporting self-serve and that those two things are informing each other. Well, a lot of in, in the, the the stuff you can do with your systems to to improve that customer experience when someone's got a query or whatever is making it as quick as possible to figure out what does this customer want you know, people talk about intent you know yeah. what, what is this customer trying to achieve and if you can and and very often you it's that sort of 80 20 thing where you know the yeah. vast majority of customers are doing a very small number of things it's the edge cases yeah. that, that tend to be weird and difficult so it, it's usually pretty quick and easy to automate a lot of that low-hanging fruit Either, Many, many years ago, um, if you used to phone up your bank or your credit card company, yeah. as part of the hold message on the phone, they go, oh, you're, oh, here are the options. If you're phoning for your balance, it's this. Yeah. And and your payment due date is that. So it's, they'd obviously figured out the two things most people phone for is their balance and their yeah. payment due date. So let's just put that in the hold message. And I think that is, there's nothing sort of spectacularly clever about that. It's meeting it's, a customer need or meeting a lot of customers' needs. Absolutely. Funnily enough, um, it, it ties in with the next podcast we're going to do about your webinar, Greg. That, you know, the, what are the two questions that customers ask the most? Yeah. That is very much a, a good way of thinking about it. And as these things get, you know, as, as your systems get more sophisticated, and as you know, we're talking about kind of a knowledge base somewhere that's supporting your people and potentially self-serve as well, then it doesn't have to be two questions. It can be the you know the top hundred questions, Absolutely, and it, yeah. it becomes a lot easier to manage that. Yeah. Just let me share another one, and, and, and then I think I've got a quite an interesting observation on something that I think it's missed, but 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 you're making quite a strong point about. So it 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 it's it said improved customer service. 
AI-powered chatbots and virtual assistants can handle customer inquiries, provide real-time support, and resolve common issues efficiently. These AI systems can offer 24-7 assistance, quick response times, and accurate information, leading to enhanced customer experience by reducing waiting time and improving problem resolution. I think that's what you're talking about. Interestingly, that's probably the only time it mentions quick mm. and and that was a big thing you were seeing that it would just get to things quicker i mean so the answer it's sort of given is in some ways quite educated because it, it could do this for customers it could meet needs it could do that it's in its answers and there's a page and a half here that's probably only the one time it's said quick which it's, it might, I think it's missing a little bit there. Yeah, I think, and the other aspect is which I'd sort of forgotten about, but it mentioned uh, in in the intro it wrote for us. It is that sort of always on twenty four seven seven days a week uh, aspect, which I think is a big one as well. Let, let's say for the sake of argument that an AI powered assistant doing customer support is I don't know eighty percent as good as a human. Yeah, or, you know, pick at the moment, but not quite as good, but pretty good. How do you offset that against the fact that you can get through straight away? You know, it scales basically infinitely. It's on 24-7 and it's on seven days a week. Well, actually, for if it's a pretty easy query, actually, that's probably better, isn't it? Absolutely. But well, I'm a bit a bit worried. I want to talk to a human. I'm not quite sure what the right thing is for me. I'm, I'm feeling, you know, emotional. As soon as it goes to the those things that drive us to want to speak to a human, for whatever reason, then it's going to lose out to that, I think. So I think... What are those things, Stephen, that want us to speak to a human? It's usually when when emotions are heightened one way or another. And and it's very, very often, I think, about reassurance. I think very, very often it's that feeling, I don't know what the right thing to do is. I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense to me. I'm not sure what's right for me in my situation. What what should I write in this form? Or, you know, which of these products is right for me? I want to speak to a human who I trust gets what I'm talking about, not a sort of glorified algorithm. So the human is providing assurance, trust. If I explain my situation to you, I trust that another human is going to get that. And then hopefully I trust that the advice they give me is good. I mean, I'm not saying we always get that, but I think that's what we're looking for when when we we speak to a human. Yeah. It's interesting that because we would talk a lot in research between transactional and relationship things. And as you're talking, I'm getting a similar little thought there of something simple, transactional that needs to be done and done efficiently and perhaps something a little bit different just as a slight aside and i don't know if it's a personal book for you it is for me go on a website and before i get chance to look at what i'm doing the chatbot pops up and says how can i help you and i'm thinking at least give me 30 seconds i'm pretty sure i can find this myself i don't want you on my screen because i've now got to click it you know get get rid of you Uh, you know just at least give me a chance to self-serve before i have a conversation with you (laughs) this is another pet bugbear of mine uh, of which I have a few. Which, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. You have um, many, Stephen. You have many. Yeah, that, that as a piece of, of kind of UX strikes me as really odd. And I, I, I presume these people have tested it with customers. You know, we're talking about enough big companies who must, must test yeah. this stuff that somewhere that's come out as a good thing to do. It strikes me, just like you, as infuriating. Um, it might be American-led. It's the little theory I had. 
because I've got a brother and family who live in America. And definitely the retail shopping experience is slightly different. You are mm-hmm. approached by, um, when you go into a shop, you're approached by someone nearly immediately in America. Whereas mm-hmm. in the UK, you sort of get a bit of browsing time sometimes never approached sometimes when you want to be approached but within america when i go shopping in america you're pretty much through the door and before you can even can help you with something what you're looking for and you feel a bit Britishly uncomfortable going i'm just gonna have a browse because you feel you should give him a really definitive answer is you know i'm after a jacket and i'm size and i'm just i want to have a browse if if you are after you know a green jacket then you might as well go in and say, I've you know, yeah. got a green jacket, so place. But actually, it's it's that's a really good example, I think, of it partly, as you say, it's partly cultural. They're like that's that's how yeah. service works in, in the States, and less so here. It's partly driven by what's good for the organization. They know they sell more if if they do that. Is it driven by what's good for the customer? I sometimes. So sometimes that's helpful. Like I know exactly what I want. Can you take me to it? Then I'll buy it. More often, or very often, people are just browsing. Uh, I don't know whether I want a green jacket or a red jacket or an, until I look at the jackets. I might want some trousers. That's right. Um, so <laughs> I've gone with jacket, but anyway, um, <laughs> I think like with anything, it, to work well, this you have to start with the customer, don't you, and work back. You have to you know, be oriented uh, around what does the cust- what's going to work for the customer, what does the customer want, and how then do we support that? And it, it seems to me when it comes to automation that, there's a load of stuff we could have been doing for decades that companies haven't done. And suddenly it's all oh, oh, chat GPT, large language models, but, and they're great. It's a, we talked about amazing technology. You should have been doing rules-based automation for you know literally 40 years that you haven't done. You should have been using previous sort of generation machine learning models on all your data, you know, 20 years ago and you weren't. So why are you suddenly going to be using large language models now? I, I don't I don't buy it because it's it's the it's the stuff that supports the technology that's difficult and that organizations aren't investing in. Yeah, I totally I agree and understand, but there is a an enthusiasm, a growth, you know, uh, you know, and the rapidly changing and the excitement around this and the power of it, I think is something that wasn't there years ago where perhaps the disciplines weren't in place. Perhaps the potential wasn't realised because um, mm-hmm. everything you're saying, you know, was right. And you know, we've spent two decades t- t- together seeing organisations do great stuff, but see organisations miss things because they're not tying together two bits of data in their organisation. They're not tying together yeah. the customer experience and basic customer demographics or spend or, or strategic information. And you think, well, you've got two great bits of information here. Get them together and talk. Wow. But I, mm. but you don't want to be a naysayer of the present because of the past. And, and, and there's definitely an ex, the power, the excitement. I think people are seeing a lot of potential here. And I do even wonder whether you and me prob- perhaps have a little bit of scepticism because we see lots of potential being missed. And, and um, yeah, I mean, it's really, yeah. It, I mean, I think we're at a very interesting moment in AI and chat GPT and, and how it, it it's going to have to learn how to drive up customer satisfaction levels, isn't it? But but you feel, I feel it will, Stephen. That's the bit I'm thinking because of the sort of the feedback nature. I take all your points about the data. You're only as good as the source data. 
but I think the desire to do it better and more precise and more precise and more precise and more precise, you know, that feels like it's the future. It's part of the future, for sure. Um, I think my worry is that organisations, in a way, we're already we're going down this road already, right? The, the road towards, you know, yeah. digitization, the road towards self-serve, the road to having, frankly, fewer humans available to support customers. And that is, I think, it's an inevitable road to some extent. We'll talk about that perhaps at some point. But in order for that to be good, in order for that to fulfill you know, the hype and the promise, we've got to solve a lot of those fundamental issues around kind of getting the right data, kind of the ethics, managing that yeah. data in appropriate ways, using it in a in a smart way. So there's a whole load of, of kind of fundamental capabilities that a lot of organizations have shown no uh, aptitude or will to, to fix. And that I worry sometimes there's a disconnect between the people making a decision to push AI as the, the magic bird solution to customer experience and the people who are making decisions about, for example, the fundamental framework and models for how data is managed yeah. within an organization. Are they the same people? Probably not. So, Well, it needs to be customer-led, doesn't it? I, I yeah. think in a question I, 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 next time I'll ask ChatGPD is how do you identify customers' needs? Mm. Because that's the starting point isn't it and you know and that's where you work back from not to <laughs> 100%, yeah. yeah so i also asked chat gpt um what's the negative effect of ai on customer satisfaction and it's come up with a very thorough list it, it, it's come up with with six things again so let me just rattle through a uh, through list of six because we mentioned some of them lack of human touch was the first one misinterpretation or miscommunication data privacy and security concerns, an over-reliance on automation, technical glitches or errors, and then the last one, lack of emotional understanding. Yeah. So to unpack that last one, because I think it's quite interesting. In a technical way, machine learning can identify emotion really quite well. You know, there's lots of studies showing that, you know, AI is actually better than humans at detecting emotion from facial expressions and stuff like that. But that's not the point, is it? Like, you don't want a robot going, I identify your emotion. You want a human being who empathizes with your emotion. And there's a really good book by Jeff Colvin about this. But yeah. by definition, computers can't feel empathy. AI systems have limitations in understanding and responding to customers' emotional states. This may not be able to detect frustration, anger, or sadness accurately, leading to inadequate support or inappropriate responses. Even that sounds a bit robotic. <laughs> this lack of emotional understanding can contribute to negative customer experiences and lower satisfaction levels. The one I thought was quite interesting was the technical glitches or errors, which, which and I think this is where ChatGPT is really good with how it does things because it's very thorough. And I, I, well, it's very thorough, but but sometimes totally wrong. Um, so it's very confidently wrong quite a lot of the time. <laughs> AI systems are not immune to technical glitches or errors. Um, they may experience downtime, encounter bugs, or provide incorrect information. If customers encounter such issues and are unable to get assistance they need, it can lead to frustration and dissatisfaction. And I'm thinking of current data, loss of things that are in the current news and stuff like that and things like that. <laughs> the issue, I think, is that it's this kind of, you know, the cliche of the computer says no. It's like the there's a sort of hubris in the way these systems are designed where it doesn't occur to the designer 
that it could make a mistake. And uh, that sort of feeds through to the way AI interacts with you. It, it's Although ChatGPT is totally, it's very apologetic when you point out to it, it's got something wrong, but it still keeps getting things wrong. It has weird holes. It hallucinates stuff. So, yeah, for example, if you're researching a, a subject area, let's say you're looking at the, the dangers of threats from AI of personal privacy. There'll be loads of research on that. And if you ask ChatGPT to list it, it'll list you 10 articles and eight of them will be made up. Mm. That's just kind of the way it works. Mm. Pulling this together, Stephen. Um, Nostradamus, Stephen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are we thinking the impact will be on customer satisfaction? I mean, listening to it, it's got to make customer satisfaction go up in some way in some scenarios i think we've probably ended up talking a little bit more about source data and ethics and morals than i anticipated we were going to talk about but but you know when when we're doing this podcast in five years time or we listen back to this in five years time what do you think we'll be thinking and saying i suspect that it'll be a real mixed bag so I, I think, right. and, and this is in a way, it's a bit of a trite answer, but I think some people will get it right and will, you know, the experience they offer will be better as a result. And I suppose if you think of someone like Amazon, you know, someone who, you know, an organization that's created a, you know, not what most people would agree is a consistently great customer experience yeah. through smart design of its systems and automation and actually being smart about what it chooses to do and not do um, and being setting out still really really clearly basically you don't get custom support <laughs> but what we do we do really eff efficiently and well yeah um, and communicate really well so i think in a similar way so it doesn't mean amazon is going to win with with you know the next generation of ai but what it means is i think some organizations will will in a parallel way do it well and create a good experience by doing it well and I think a lot of organizations will struggle. So I, I think a lot of big consumer-facing organizations with millions of customers, with loads of legacy systems that are siloed all over the place, and they've they've been they've spent the last fifteen years talking about that as a problem and talking about how they're going to get connect all their data yeah. and get a single view of the customer, all, all this stuff that everyone's been talking about and not successfully doing for you know a couple of decades. It's just another layer of stuff that won't work properly on top of that because the fundamental data layer isn't right for, for, for I think, a lot of organizations. And this may well be where disruptors really start to yeah. pick up certain industries. I mean, you, you think about financial services, I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of the first to really feel the difference between people getting the technology right and people who have not addressed that fundamental data layer properly. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that we keep coming back to is the customer need, isn't it? And and what the customer actually wants, <laughs> not necessarily what they say, not what they type in, e e even not what they verbally say, you know, it's what is that hidden need? What's the real question they're asking? What are they really wanting? And, and, and even with people face-to-face -face good skills, it can be two or three levels in I'm, I'm 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 thinking of stripping back onions and shrek here now um and the donkey you, you know in terms of the different layers that are there but that is people <laughs> they have layers that you know you know you know um so i i i'm sort of seeing 
for more complex things, for more subtle things, it it needs you need to it's it needs to have time and thought, and 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 that seems to be human things you were talking about as assurance and understanding, you know that feeling when you explain it to someone, and the body language that they give you that like you're doing now on zoom there's a nodding going on so i'm sort of reading that you're getting what i'm saying and that's providing some in assurance and that's just not quite there it doesn't need to be there for some transactional no. things no, that's but, it. yeah, yeah. If, if you just want your balance you just want your balance that's fine yeah yeah just another slight angle how do you think this is going to affect jobs going forward and employment and um, skills I think it is inevitable that it will mean there are fewer people in customer service roles in in the, the sort of near to mid term for sure. There's a there's sort of a common take within the kind of AI world is basically AI doesn't take good jobs and takes crap jobs and no one wants. Right, the, the the processing type. In a way, mundane. that's true-ish. I mean, it's. There's a bit. Well, there's a bit. There's a lot of snobbery built into that, you know. So, yeah. someone who is an AI developer looks at people in a contact center and sneers at them and says, "That's a terrible job. Who'd want to do that?" Some people mm. do want to do that, and, yeah, and they're absolutely. really good at it. But you know, we, yeah. as a general rule, this I may not editing out this podcast, but I, I have my experience has been that outbound contact is awful and everyone hates it. Inbound contact, actually, quite a lot of people enjoy that and. And those people are really, really good at it. And it would be a shame to lose those people because actually for a lot of organizations, they they are saving the customer experience from, from what would otherwise be terrible. So I don't know. I think I think it's a mistake to say all those people who work in inbound contact yeah. are miserable and hate their jobs. And so we might as well put them out of work. I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. And I don't think we want that world very quickly. No, and even with business head on, we would talk a lot about loyalty and what drives loyalty. And yeah, what makes customers satisfied? Yeah, efficiency, quick, sorting things out. Of course it does. That gives customer satisfaction. Does And that's part of building loyalty, but not all about building loyalty. There's the other bits about loyalty of having... Um, an emotional connection somehow mm. to that organization or that brand and you know there's, there's different ways you get that emotional connection you know the sort of advertising and experience and all that sort of stuff but part of it is the people interaction the face you know the face of the company is is the face of the person who i'm talking to mm. and you know, even as humans, we have different needs in different moments. You know, if we go back to the shopping example, you know, sometimes you go into the shop and you know what you want. And sometimes I go into the shop and don't know what I want. And that's really difficult for someone to predict that because I didn't know that till 30 seconds before I saw the shop and thought, oh, do you know what? I'm going to have a browse in there. <laughs> so yeah, um, for me, there's a real disconnect here because organizations have got into a habit of thinking about their contact center as a cost to be minimized. And at the same time as they're doing that, they're over here in another office going, we need to really engage with our customers more. We need to get, you know, understand them and talk to them and build these relationships. You've got an entire building dedicated to doing that, that you're making crap. 
by design. If you thought differently about that contact center, if you thought about it mm. as the place where you make that relationship contact yeah, with yeah, yeah, and invest yeah. in it rather than reducing the cost to the bare minimum and trying to get rid of it whenever you have the opportunity to. If you were genuinely customer led, you'd see that totally differently, I think. Well, you'd see it as a tactical advantage, as a way of building relationships and the opportunity to move into the loyalty area rather than the process area. I remember Tony Say, the guy from Zappos, always used to say that he's, he saw the contact center as marketing. Yeah, every opportunity to have a conversation with a customer is a positive yeah. for us. And Absolutely. It, it's really, if you took your marketing budget of sending, you know, direct mail or social media ads or whatever else you're spending your marketing budget on and spent some of that on the contact center to have a direct one-to-one conversation with a real customer, with a human that understands that customer, isn't that money better spent? I think that's a very interesting way to draw this to a uh, to a conclusion. This is really a soapbox topic, isn't it? It, <laughs> it, 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 it? it really is. And it's really interesting thinking about it. I'm sure in a couple of months' time, we should do another podcast you know on this and just would encourage anyone who's listening to it please get in contact please add your thoughts onto this if you've got any questions because you know you know this is the future and we'd like to sort of take this debate um further and you know we're coming from a position where we have a lot of experience in 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 customer satisfaction service uh, experience and yeah so i'm sure we'll be doing another podcast on this Stephen, unfortunately, we're going to have to do our own conclusion. Um, <laughs> do we think we can? Do we think we can um, manage that without saying absolutely, Greg? Absolutely, Greg. <laughs> no, I put a bit of emotion into it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. So, thank you very much for listening. Uh, thanks to ChatGPT for your contributions today. The rest of you, if you're using iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review us. And if you want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at TLF Research or at TLFresearch.com. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>